The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Thursday, December 6, 2018 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. You know, it's been getting on my nerves a little bit. Bet you didn't think I'd say Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio. Well, I guess the fact that he's been even on my nerves means he's been in the news. So good for him and his brand extension. But first of all, he has this line that he uses uh, quite a bit to explain away his political ambitions. I guess the line also positions him alongside the everyman, and he apparently thinks it's quite clever. Uh, my dream was to play center field for the Cleveland Indians. That door obviously is closed. But Well, you're 66 years old, and from what I could tell, highly susceptible to the split finger. But I guess one interviewer once chuckled indulgently. So Sherrod Brown says it again. My dream was to play center field for the Cleveland Indians. I, I th- and again. I didn't dream all my life to be president. I, let me guess. Let me guess. A designated hitter for the Minnesota Twins. Did I nail it? I wanted to play center field for the Cleveland Indians. That Okay, so that is just relentless message discipline. And a seven-term member of Congress and a three-term senator. Uh, he needs relentless message discipline to get where he is. But even when he has one message, he makes sure it's repetitive. Yesterday... He had a letter to the editor of the New York Times. Not an op-ed, not a quote, a letter to the editor. He chimed in to mock one of the Times staff conservatives, and it wasn't even Ross Douthat. Nope, Sherrod Brown writes, David Brooks, and it's not the economy, stupid, writes, it's not jobs, jobs, jobs anymore. It's relationships, relationships, relationships. Now, at this point, I would have loved if Brown, in fact, I would have gone for Brown in 2020 if he had just taking on David Brooks, how David Brooks turns everything into his hobby horse of community relationships, bowling alone, spiritual connections, all right? I'd have worn the I Ride Hard for Sherrod bumper sticker. I'd have hosted the Sherrod Save America podcast if he had just taken down Brooks for being Brooks. But no, it was all about saying something that Sherrod Brown wanted to say. And he wrote, it's not relationships, relationships, relationships. Actually, it's wages, 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 and respecting the dignity of work. Sherrod Brown, Cleveland, the writer a Democrat, is the United States Senator from Ohio. Oh yeah, by the way, in addition to always saying the Cleveland Indian thing, I've never heard an interview with Senator Brown where he didn't talk about respecting the dignity of work. This used to be a line from the GOP or a get-tough-on-welfare-cheat-Democrat These people need to get off the dole and respect the dignity of work. Yeah, some jobs have dignity. Army medic, teacher, stonemason. How about Instagram celebrity? Meh, on the dignity front. Most jobs are good, not because they make you feel good about doing a job. Maybe a little bit of that, but mostly because they pay you to do the job and money can be exchanged for goods and services. And he does go to the dignity of work trope more than the Cleveland Indians one. I don't know why he thinks it separates him from the rest of the pack, who obviously are for work and for jobs and for a strong economy, but they they don't use the word dignity as much. I wonder if under the surface there is a message of what? Of like traditional manliness, that dignity Brown thinks might trigger something in blue-collar Democrats, connoting a Chevy truck commercial and a Bob Seger song. Dignity. Also, when Brown is asked, well, you talk about jobs, of course, who who doesn't want jobs, but unemployment is at an all-time low, so that's jobs, right? Isn't that jobs? I've seen him play the, well, times are tough, and people are taking two or three jobs to make ends meet, 
skewing the statistics. That's not true. Very, very few people are doing that. And when Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez said it, she got a lot of blowback. Therefore, so should the craggly wannabe center fielder man from the Midwest. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I could be turned around. Maybe Sherrod Brown's message is a bit grating, but not totally off base. Perhaps one day I will don the I'm down with Brown button after I peruse a what can Brown do for you pamphlet. As a Buckeye and a populist, Brown has the potential to be widely appealing in a general election. He could shave off some Republicans. There is basically only one person I could think of who will never, ever vote for Sherrod Brown on the very issue of job retention. It's Leonis Martin. He is the actual center fielder for the Cleveland Indians. Keep that guy away from my gig. On the show today, a PETA-inspired spiel, but first, a documentary that I really loved. Jesse Eisenberg, executive produced it. He brought it to my attention, friend of the gist, Jesse Eisenberg, and it was great. Not just because I like Jesse. I, I think I might like this guy, Matt, a little more than Jesse. So here we have the subject, the director, and the executive producer of a new film called The World Before Your Feet. Matt Green is walking, or has walked, every block of New York City. It's an amazing feat. Actually, it's literally two amazing feet. But I mean that as beyond something other than a hilarious joke, which is when you watch this documentary about him called The World Before Your Feet, you realize it's one thing to embark upon this, but it's another thing to actually follow through. It's kind of an amazing thing, and I like the documentary. I, I, I like some of the people behind it, so I gave it a shot. But I really loved this documentary in ways I didn't expect to. I kind of expected the main character to be some hippie who was hard to live with. But no, he's an interesting guy. In fact, he's here right now as the director, as the executive producer. Matt Green, hello. Hello. Mr. Workman, hello. Hello. Mr. Eisenberg, hello. Hello. Jeremy Workman, Jesse Eisenberg. So guys, Matt. Yes. Are you done? I'm not done. How many years have you been at it? I've been at this for, for almost seven years now. How much more you have? have maybe 500 miles left, uh, probably about 95% of the way there. Okay, so let's lay out the basics of your quest, yep. the rules you set for yourself, and uh, what the logistics were. So the, the basic rule is walk every block of every street, which then became every block of every public street as I realized that there were also many private streets. So that's the, the core of it. Right. But on top of that, I'll walk as many of the private streets as I can get access to. I'll walk parks, cemeteries, beaches, other coastline, bridges, you know, various pathways, um, boardwalks. So you have know. to walk if, 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 the, if there's a long um, cul-de-sac or dead-end street, you just have to step on it or you have to walk All the, the way end? to the end. Jesus Christ. Tap, tap the end with my finger and, and turn around. I've watched you tap Many the there, there are many, many dead ends in New York City. Yeah. Now, before, again, I'm just going to talk about Publishing. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a career in retail, for yeah. instance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, how do you find out about Matt and give us a little bit about your background? So I met Matt, years ago, I've been friends with him for a lot of years, and he was starting to do these crazy walking projects. He walked across the country, yeah. you might add. He's going out, he's doing it, and um, he's just sort of, you know, going through, checking off these all these streets, but in the process, 
you know, by doing this really simple thing, I mean, it's so simple. Just go out and walk. It's not something that anyone, any of your listeners can't do, you know, but by doing this really simple thing and being sort of meticulous about it and really passionate about it, all this sort of interesting stuff is is exposed in this amazing city that, you know, I, we all know New York City, but you don't really know just how deep it goes. Yeah. Jesse, how'd you find out about this project? Um, Jeremy sent me a series of emails that I dodged uh you know he he was while he was editing he was looking for somebody to come on board who would give some kind of creative input and be a kind of more public champion of the movie um i've been asked to do things like that before i was never had any interest in that kind of thing it's not really what i do but i you know so i watched five minutes that turned into 10 minutes it turned into the whole movie and then i watched it again that day with my wife i said like i thought it was just incredible i mean um you know i thought matt is like the kind of real world more you know humble analog of me and uh so i could kind of relate to him but as i showed it to my wife she saw it as a story about you know a person trying to you know uh integrate uh, into a city that's become stratified you know by walking and kind of bridging the gaps that are there um i showed it to my parents who looked at him as kind of like a you know Kerouac figure like uh-huh. uh, somebody from their generation who uh you know who no longer exists because we're all you know indebted to our phones etc you know so so i think everybody takes something kind of personal from it so I love your obsessions. I'm sure there are some that we don't get to, but in the movie, you're uh, somewhat obsessed with barbershops with a Z mm-hmm. in the title. I love that. I also, have you done anything with Chinese restaurants and how there are usually only six different characters that interchange? You got the dragon and the panda and the mm, garden I ha- and the golden. I haven't even, Between golden I haven't even panda, entered that world Oh, yeah, yet. that would be a good there one. There are so many of those universes there. You know, I had a friend who, who uh, a good friend of his, had this whole collection of photos in L.A. of all the signs of Dennis that had a tooth yes. with a smiling, smiling face, face. Yes. in its own right, teeth. Right, right. And then I saw one in New York where it was that tooth, but he was brushing his own teeth inside of his <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's I've seen collections of uh, restaurants where the animal to be eaten is extremely there, happy. About there's a things. guy, Kevin Walsh, who runs this, runs a site, Forgotten New York, a really great site. Oh, that was like it. very influential yeah. to me starting this, yeah. and you know, just that idea of paying attention to details. He has a great term for those, which is animal cannibal. Yeah. yeah. So like you know, you'll see a, a pig on a, a pork store like holding a string of sausages, or like a chicken, you know, stirring up a pot of chicken or something. <laughs> Did you take what is the uh, what is the bridge that connects the Rockaways to Marine Park? The Marine Parkway Bridge. How long is that? And is, does that count as walking in New York? Of course, it does. It yeah, does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I walk that. Is that the former Gil Holland? The, 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 the Gil Hodges, Hodges Memorial Bridge. Bridge. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Yeah, and then there's the other one running up to. So Howard he didn't. Beach. They didn't. They didn't put him in the Hall of Fame, but they gave him a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. they changed I, the name. Right? I was saying this to, to these guys earlier. Um, basically. This happens to me all the time where someone will mention a person like, oh, I've been to his grave, and Gil Hodges <laughs> is one of those. He's in Holy Cross Cemetery. Yeah, I mean, there's the a crazy, like, Matt also has, you know, as you saw in the movie, has walked more of the cemeteries yeah. than probably, you know, anyone. I mean, there's so many cemeteries this in New York. Movie, this is one of the reasons why I love the movie. So as I'm watching it, I'm taking notes, and I write Greenwood, question mark, cemetery, question mark, and then, you know, 55 minutes in, there's the whole cemetery part. And then maybe a half hour in, I'm like, dating, question mark, and we meet your exes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was Jeremy. Jeremy, like, had a lot of foresight in, in figuring out what questions people were going to have. I think, <laughs> because I've heard other people make that comment that, like, he kind of anticipates what you're wondering about. So, mm. But that is my question. How do you go on dates if you have to, uh, if you have to go on, out and walk I, every I day? I don't go on a lot of dates. No. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> Nikki, who you meet in the movie, um, 
you know, we we met because of the walk and we yes. dated for a while. But I'm I'm not a, a serial dater. I don't don't go on very many dates. He's also so, yeah. on, you know, fifteen dollars a day, so that doesn't help. Yeah. He lives humbly. The date is, do you want to walk? Right, <laughs> of course. I've filmed you on dates, sort of. I mean, what? You, not, no, I don't mean that. I, let, me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> oh, wait, I've filmed you, you don't know walking that. <laughs> yeah, with, yeah, exactly. with, you know, with Nikki, for example. Yeah. And it seemed like you were out with, you know, almost like on a date. You were walking together. You were picking raspberries in a public park, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was uh, that was post-relationship. Yeah, she's she's still a, gr- a very good friend of mine. Um, but yeah, she's a very special person who you know was interested in me for those reasons but i I don't think that i would have much of a a dating life do you ever regret any of the things you've had to give up to pursue this lifestyle of uh, mostly sleeping in friends houses and doing cat sitting and living on 15 dollars a day but also having this amazing experience that's you know a bit physically grueling and occupies your every waking moment for years I don't, I don't regret. I don't even feel like it's a sacrifice. I think that's how it's portrayed sometimes. Like, oh, he gave up all this in order to do this. But right. it was like, this is just what I wanted to do, and I didn't want these other things. But there are other things. For instance, uh, one of your ex-girlfriends, I think it's Nikki, talks about you have no interest in movies. Like, never have? You've- yeah, it's not that I hate movies, but like, I'm not going to pay theater prices <laughs> to go to a movie. I mean, are you kidding me? Have that's- you ever seen a Jesse Eisenberg movie? I have. <laughs> Did you I, have to I, fake it when you met him? <laughs> no, I saw, I, I saw um, Zombieland. Oh, that's yeah. a good yeah. one. Yeah. And that was, that was when you decided to give it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, want this, this, I want this to be my last movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you decry, because I didn't see this in the documentary. In fact, you don't seem to negatively judge different neighborhoods, but what about chains? stores and neighborhoods that seem similar to other neighborhoods. Does that pain you at all? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I certainly have my own feelings on on places and, you know, maybe those change from day to day too um, and what mood I'm in. Um, but yeah, I mean, the walk is definitely a, definitely an exercise in not judging. It's, you know, just about observing. Um, and I think from from that process, I've learned how to appreciate a lot of things that, you know, before I would have said that I don't like those because I like the sound of saying I don't like that because it represents something that I don't want to represent. But you're kind of just, you know, you're you're screwing yourself over when you do that because it takes away this whole world of things that maybe have some redeeming qualities that you could appreciate. Instead, you just immerse yourself in this world of hating. I kept, because as I watched it, I kept thinking about Staten Island. Because mm. if I had the time, I would love to do the rest of it, except I would not love to do Staten Island. You not would, by the shore. You would love it. Well, the interior, where it seems like a suburb. <laughs> where seems. it seems like seems. There's seems. a lot of awesome seems stuff in Staten Island. Go ahead. That was a big revelation for yeah? me, too. That, you know, I was also, am also somebody who's been in New York for many, many years and had a very sort of Manhattan-centric and how... The, you know, the world sees New York City. And then I walked with Matt in um, many of these neighborhoods, including Staten Island, and I was continually blown away. I mean, in Staten Island, for example, you know, there was parks where there was just deer everywhere. Wild we turkeys. Cl- wild turkeys. Oh, turkeys. We went climbing mountains in Staten Island. Um, even just the people that would come out in Staten Island to talk to Matt were really interesting and diverse and uh, a lot of different sort of ethnicities that you don't expect to even find. Uh, I was sort of still blown away by Staten Island. But isn't there a lot of Staten Island? And aren't there a lot of streets that are like the street right before it? I mean, more so (laughs) than other places? Uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe there are parts of it where the streets are more similar than other places. But like, you know, compare that to 
my life prior to this, which was, you know, staring at a computer screen doing, you know, this engineering that I wasn't interested in, you know, sitting in fluorescent lighting and like, you know, no one ever asked me like, oh, isn't that job so boring? Because it's a normal job that people have Mm -hmm. and people enjoy it to whatever extent they enjoy it. And so to me, like walking two blocks that maybe have the same styles of architecture, like I can deal with that. It's okay. not It's not like I'm, so I'm, I'm not going to die of boredom. You ever go to uh, Douglaston or Little Neck and then find you're in Nassau County and like, fuck, I just spent a half hour in Nassau County. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like obviously I have to make sure I walk every block in the city. Yeah. And the boundary between New York City and these other municipalities is generally not marked which always baffles me. You go from like the largest city in the nation to like a little town of 7,000 people in Nassau County. And there's just no, there's nothing there telling you did it. And so I always- The difference is the street numbers change and some of the The street numbers, yes. Yes, but you're never, you know, you're never 100% sure exactly where the line is. Right. Exactly where it is. Yeah. So I always walk to the end of the block where the addresses change, you know, just to be certain. So (laughs) so I, I do have little small adventures into Nassau and Westchester. After all of this, can you explain to me how the street numbering system and naming system of Queens works? Like sure. from the places to the streets <laughs> sure. to the... And that's probably one of the few people that can I'm really. I'm so into this. Go ahead. I mean, I, I have a blog post written about it that would be much clearer about it than this jumbled response I'm going to give you. But yeah, basically, you know, Queen became a borough of New York City in 1898 when the city consolidated. And at that point, it was just a bunch of different villages. And, you know, I think there was something like, I don't remember the number, there were like 30 Washington streets, avenues, whatever, you know, because each of these had a different street named after George Washington. Right. And so the planners realized, like, we've got to get this all together. We've got to have one set of streets for this borough. No no to Atlanta and Peachtree, but go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So they basically overlaid this, you know, imaginary grid on top of all these villages and did the best they could to kind of integrate them all into it. What that means is you have certain areas where, you know, the space between 146 and 147th up here, when you go down to the southern part of Queens, now there's like three or four streets in that area. So you keep them all 146 and you add different suffixes to them. And same thing, you know, north, south and east, west streets. So you have this whole jumble of numbers with avenue, street, road, place, you know, Okay, okay. Drive. Let me so is there yeah. an order? Like first there's the street, then yes. there's the road, then there's the place, then yeah. there's the terrace. Do you, ha- do you have a minute for me to pull I this do. up on this my is phone? The, this okay. is like the greatest moment <laughs> of my life. Because there's, there's a minute. Such, Wait, such I've also accompanied him and uh, we went to a, a, an intersection where they, where I think it was Matt can explain Oh yeah, well, so so, so what happens in Queens, in addition to having these multiple consecutive parallel streets that are the same number that only differ in suffix, you have that with the north, south, and east, west. So if you take a diagonal from the northwest part of Queens and, and run down it, you'll hit all these places where the same numbers intersect. Oh, so not wow. only do you have the same numbers in parallel, but now you have grids of intersecting streets. Corner of 96 and 96. Yeah. And yeah. so in Maspeth, there's, I can't remember, is it nine or 10 intersections of 60th and 60th? <laughs> Just all, all consecutive neighboring intersections. And I, I've been with oh, Matt so and good. filmed him. Going to every single one of those, with those, like, yeah, we thought that was going to be in the movie. Yeah, we thought that whole, was going to be a big. Had scene to get in a the shot movie. of like and every one of these combinations just cutting of room floor. That's for me. That's the DVD extra. Yeah, that I, yeah, I, I shot <laughs> so much of yeah. Matt walking around that there was a lot of stuff that never made it. So, so when they overlaid this the street grid on Queens and everyone was confused and angry that their street names are changing, this uh, this guy who lived in Flushing, he was a poet, Ellis Parker Butler. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ellis Parker Butler, whose grave I visited, by the way. Um, this is the poem he came up with to to explain the this the uh, suffixes to everybody. Ooh. In Queens, to find locations best, 
Avenues, roads, and drives run west. But ways to north or south tis plain, or street or place, or even lane, while even numbers you will meet upon the west and south of street. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was part of, I guess, the PR push to like, <laughs> right, you know, right, right. That's so good. <laughs> make this pill easy to swallow yeah, for everyone whose street name's changing. That's the I before E except from, after from, C of Queen yeah. Street. Yeah. Yeah. The world before your feet is executive produced by Jesse Eisenberg, directed by Jeremy Workman, and uh, I think the credit said featuring Matt Green. Featuring. Yes, it's certainly featuring <laughs> feet. Featuring. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think uh, of that. Yeah, Matt's in like every frame. He's in every frame, except when they cut to the ex-girlfriends going, I dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming in. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks. And now the spiel. I saw a fascinating item in the news. The sage grouse, the bird, the sage grouse is having its protections rolled back by the Trump administration, which is believable. The sage grouse, the type of grumpy old guy who derives his authority from pessimism, that guy is totally out in the Trump White House. I have in the past talked about the institution of the sage grouse, that guy usually with a couple chins and a pinstripe suit who used to lard up the works at CNBC, who would be sharing a panel with your various Louis Rukeysers and Alan Blinders. Well, that era is over. You know who owns the Louis Rukeyser rookery of redoubt and just plain doubt? Anthony Scaramucci does. It's true. He bought Wall Street Week in review. So no more sage grouse harumph interest rates. Unemployment may be too low. That's doomed. All, All manner of sage grouse is doomed. And that item reminded me of an initiative you may have heard about. PETA, PETA is proposing a re-education camp or maybe a re-education three-day weekend on animal idioms, harmful animal idioms. So instead of beating a dead horse, they say you should say feeding a dead horse. Although if you can feed it, it ain't dead, PETA. If you beat it, it might be dead. They also say we shouldn't say bringing home the bacon but bringing home the bagels with a smear of bacon cream cheese, of course. And then there's, instead of grab the bull by the horns, which is an expression meaning take on a problem head on, they propose take the flower by the thorns, which is a stupid, stupid way to grab a flower, as the flower rights activist group Planta will tell you. Now, normally, I I simply wouldn't swallow these dictates. Swallow? That's animalist. Oh, oh, you know, I didn't mean the animal. I mean, like, I just wouldn't bear with these stupid rules. Bear? That's an ursine microaggression. Okay, okay. I'm just saying I wouldn't go along sheepishly. Ovine insensitivity. All right, all right. uh, Listen, I'm saying I would just take it like a man. Is that fine? You guys okay? Do I have to kowtow to you? Move on. No, kowtow. It's with a K. It's from the Cantonese. If anything, it's, a, it's offensive to Asians, not cows. Leaping lizards. Why are they leaping? We need an inquiry. Oh, dear. And dear, with an A, not two E's. Okay, we're moving on. People are aristocrat shit crazy. What I want to present to you, what I want to give to you is this little thing we put together. So without further ado, release the doves. Oh, why'd you even bother putting them in the boxes to begin with? Here now. A newscast presented in a PETA-approved format. Live now from WPET, it's PETA News. Welcome, hello, to PETA News. News approved by PETA. 
I'm North American Gray Wolf Blitzer. Today's top story, the Senate is closer to immigration reform, as Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley laid out. The goal is what we're after, and we're after securing the borders. There's more than one way to stroke a cat. In other political news, it's not too early to consider the 2020 Senate map, as Republicans will have to defend 22 seats to the Democrats' 12. Given their poor showing a month ago and headwinds caused by Trump, political experts like Molly Ball are saying the elections of 2010 could be a good guide. So there's a question about, is this going to be 2010 all over again? And if so, how do they deal with it? I think right now we're in the... Wiccans with their hats blown off. Uh, ...stage of that process. Uh, in international news, the president of the United States engaged in a ratcheting down of tensions with the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un after the North Korean accurately said of the president's bluster... A frightened dog barks louder. The president responded with a sad and compassionate assessment of the North Korean. He is a sick puppy. Oh, that is nice. And the stakes are high. A nuclear war on the Korean peninsula could be catastrophic. Three million dogs and over 500,000 goats could perish. In health news, one student says her peers are dropping like hot french fries. Hand sanitizers are in every campus building, but still Georgetown University is dealing with a swine flu outbreak. The swine flu, or as the pigs call it, the flu. Should an H1N1 outbreak jump to humans, the pigs have offered to cull our herd. And finally in sports, some great results. The Broncos beat the Cowboys. The Jaguars took it to the Texans. The Bears were all over the Giants. I'd get my pituitary checked, guys. And the Bengals mauled the Vikings. Finally, this is a nice one. The Rams tied with Detroit 0-0. As it is written, the Lions shall lay down with the Lambs. This has been North American Gray Wolf Blitzer. For all the Gray Wolves, you can't scoop us. We're Canis Lupus. Coming up, the president engages in a war of words. He has said he will take on the special counsel and, quote, beat him like a rented Mueller investigation. Until then, when you see a suspicious package, remember to cry wolf. And that's it for today's show that just was produced by Pierre Bienname and Daniel Schrader, who felt that putting on today's show was easier than shooting a knish in a barrel. T.J. Raphael, a senior producer of Slate Podcast, she thought today's show was as nice as petting lambs with your daughter. The gist here is hoping that one day animals won't have to be insulted in the description of onanastic pursuits, and we will simply refer to coaching the chicken or finding the dolphin. Oomperu, deperu, duperu, and thanks for listening. <laughs> 